You're listening to the Lamp Life Podcast, where we apply the light of the word to all of life. I am Brendan, joined here with the one and only, the amazing, most phenomenal mm. Lamborghini seated. Oh my gosh. There we go. Dr. Reverend. Ed. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ed. So, yeah. My yep. name is Ed. Yep. Ed, what, what is your, uh, what's your author name? Oh, well, yeah, I do have a book coming You've got out. A, you have an author name now. Yes. It's it's, e- uh, I forget what the official term for yeah. that is. What, what's that called uh, when you have an author name? I forget. My name? Well, it's like there's a word for it. Oh, I don't know. Anyway. When no. people don't use like their real name or full name. I mean, you kind of do, though. It still is sort yeah, of Yeah, so it's my first initial, middle initial. What is it? E.G. Romine. E.G. Romine. And you know what? Our other pastor, Pastor Rush, just told me yesterday morning he wished I hadn't gone with that. Well, he's wrong. Well, (laughs) he can be wrong, yes. That's right. You're joining the greats. Well. You know? B.B. Warfield. R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul. F.F. Bruce. Uh-huh. Just keep them coming. You you can yeah. just keep on going. E.G. Romine. I mean, come well, on. It's either E.G. Romine or Ed. Well, it'd be Edward G. Which one Romine. just sounds wiser? That, you know? That, well, I live inside my own head. Listen, so I trust E.G. over really? Ed. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, academically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. If I'm looking for a friend, I might not be looking for E.G. I might yeah. be looking for Ed. But if yeah. I'm looking for somebody who's going to, you know. Um, if anybody in our church starts calling me E.G., <laughs> there's going to be issues. <laughs> so, yeah. What do you think these people go by in, uh, you know? Like, I'm assuming D.A. Carson goes by Don. Yeah, I've heard people him. call him Don on so, more of a familiar yeah, basis. I think you'll be okay. But, you know, it's good to finally be recording. Yep, we're here. Yeah. It's, this for, is, uh, for those of you that are listening, you you don't know because you're getting the, the pilot episode and this one right off the bat. But seemed like eternity and forever passed between when we got to record because... According to Brother Brendan, I sounded like death in a can. So yeah, Ed had a like a cough that he could not control for. Oh, there it is. I told you not to say the. You, do you word. know this is actually good news? I, I remember reading mm, an article okay. a while ago that explained that people who do not yawn when they see other people yawn are are of the same mental makeup of a psychopath mm. so so the fact that i you know this is a good sign for you and in, in your mental health that i mm. mentioned your cough and you cough it's that, just it means you're that healthy. i'm not a psychopath you are not a psychopath well some sometimes i wonder about you, that. you listen to death metal and i do yeah. wear black and you make it sound like i'm gone have a body filled with tattoos no <laughs> No, that that is another preacher up in Illinois, not me. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah, don't really have any, and he looks like a garden. Don't really have though. any tattoos? So I'm not bald. He's bald. I don't even know what you're. Joe Thorne. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's bald. Looks looks like a Santa Christmas elf. Mm, that's yeah. precious. Well, yes, very precious. I mean, when you look at Brother Joe, you think precious. Love it. Yeah. 
What's been, what would you say has been the highlight of your week, Ed? What's been, what's been it? Honestly, um, finding out that uh, my book is actually progressing forward because uh, for those of you that don't know how publishing works, uh, once you send off your manuscript, uh, you, you get a, what's called a house editor. And my original house editor with my publisher was put on medical leave. So my hmm. work plus many others that that guy was going to do got put on somebody else. So that put everything behind. And uh, I got word that everybody that I asked to endorse my book uh, has at least gotten an endorsement invite email. Yep. So that's really cool. I hope that makes some of you out there feel really bad that you haven't received an email. Well, they'll get over <laughs> it. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you endorse my second book or my third. There I've, you go. I've got other ideas. Yeah. But uh, the Brendan Scoggins name will, Lord willing, hopefully maybe be on the book. So... I want him to be on the back of the book. Yeah. He's like, well, nobody knows me. I'm like, That's I right. don't care. That'd be a dumb marketing decision. Well, <laughs> there'll be other people. It can be, you know, you, Jared Wilson, and somebody else. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. Cool. Well, that's, yeah. yeah, that is exciting. Um, I'm excited for it. And so. I'll say one more thing. I got to preach the word last night to our partners in Sri Lanka with the Lanka Evangelical Fellowship. Mm -hmm. I preached on Psalm 24 about the Lord Jesus being the King of Glory. Mm. And uh, Spurgeon definitely thought that Psalm 24 was a messianic psalm and all mm -hmm. about the Lord Jesus and the fact that he, he's the Word incarnate mm -hmm. with all authority and purpose given to him, which... I think is a good segue into our topic today. Wow, look at that. Yeah. What a transition. Yeah. You're just a natural. Mm, well, some would say that. <laughs> so. Yeah, so uh, today we are going to be talking about the authority and purpose of Scripture. So over the next seven, eight weeks, I can't remember exactly how many weeks we have planned uh, we're going to be covering a doctrine of Scripture. So we'll look at the authority and purpose of Scripture today. And then in the future, we will look at the inerrancy and infallibility of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, the transmission of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture, the interpretation of Scripture, and then sola scriptura, question mark. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the reason we're doing that, that is because... If you listen to the pilot episode, you know the whole purpose of this podcast is to try to show that uh, God's Word really is a light to all of our lives. That's um, right. It's, uh, it's, it is the standard of truth for us in all matters pertaining to, to life and practice and uh, religious practice. And so um, we want to establish a firm, sound doctrine of Scripture mm -hmm. uh, to really try to bolster uh, listeners' trust in right. the Word of God. This is That's why, right. it's kind of the why behind 
the whole podcast. You know, we're, we're laying the foundation. And then once we finish with this series, the podcast will will basically be uh, topical exposition. That's the goal. Right. Uh, what, what is a particular topic or thing that we want to study? And the way we want to approach it is by diving into particular biblical texts yes. and doing exposition and, mm-hmm. uh, and exegesis on the podcast and then making application that comes out of the exposition of Scripture. So, yes. so what we want to do is show how really a, a study of the Word does lead ultimately to, uh, to a, a viable life mm-hmm. uh, of living the now, Word, right? I, I would say even a life of worship. Yeah, you know, a uh, theologians use a uh, use a good word, doxology. You know, we we want to have a life of praise and worship. So it, it's really uh, when 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 you hear truth expounded from the scriptures, then what you end up doing is that transforms your life and it conforms you to the image of God and leads you to live live a more worshipful and God-glorifying life. And just to be clear, I think we said this on the uh, pilot episode, but when, when we talk about the scriptures, just for our context here in Provo, Utah, we are referring to the 66 books of the Protestant canon mm-hmm. uh, from Genesis to Revelation. Nothing more than that, nothing less. So, so no apocrypha, no extra books. We are speaking primarily of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah. I want to just start us off here by reading a paragraph one from a, a confession of faith that vo- both of us uh, love and, and value very much, but that's the 1689 mm. uh, Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. And in the first paragraph, it says this, and this is just an articulation of, uh, of an evangelical Christian, credo-Christian doctrine of the Word, and it's beautifully put. But the first paragraph says, The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and his will, uh, which is necessary unto salvation. Right. So there we see the two different categories yep. of revelation right. given there. And so when we talk about the word of God, we're talking about a special revelation right. that's given uh, so that we know what knowledge of God is necessary to salvation. Correct. Theologians of the past have actually referred to, to special and general revelation as the big book and then the little book of special revelation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go ahead. Therefore, please the Lord at sundry times and in diversified manners to reveal himself. Mm-hmm. Just love that. And to declare that his will unto his church. And afterward, for the better preserving and propagating of the truth and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world, to commit the same holy unto writing, which makes the holy scriptures to be most necessary, Mm -hmm. 
those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people now being completed. And I'm going to skip down. So, so uh, paragraph two is a, is a summation of the biblical books, the 66 books. These are what we consider to be the word of God. And then I'll skip down to paragraph four, where it says the authority of the Holy scripture for which it ought to be believed depends not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth himself, the author thereof. Therefore, it is to be received because it is the word of God. And let's, talk, let's, let's spend some time just talking about a uh, kind of a foundation for the authority of the Bible. And right. uh, I know you've got a couple things there from a uh, little bit from the Old and then from the New Testament mm-hmm. as well. But uh, how do we need to understand the authority of Scripture when we use that word in that category? Right. Well, <clears throat> one of the first um, passages that comes to mind is from 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. And I will go ahead and read that. And it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And I want to stop there even though there's a sentence before that verse and after that verse that's helpful. And I want to focus on Paul's curious phrase. You don't see this very much at all in the Scriptures. It's a very unique word. Um, And notice I said word and not words. You have breathed out by God. Uh, That word breathed out is theonistos. Uh, which is a very powerful word in in order to say that this is God's very creating power. The same words that he used to speak the world into existence out of nothing, Paul is attributing that very same personal touch to the Scriptures. And when, when you look at the Scripture, you look at the overall context of, of Second Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he is saying that the Scriptures are breathed out, but he's not talking necessarily about the, right, the other writings of the New Testament, although it can be applied to those writings by, by looking at theology as a whole. But in the context... He is talking about the Old Testament, the the first 30 or so books, 37, I always mess this up, books of the Bible from Genesis to Malachi in our English Bibles, anyway, the wording. And in that Old Testament canon, Paul is saying, that's inspired, that's breathed out by God's very word. Mm-hmm or very uh, breath, you need to listen to that, and you need to follow that. Yeah, so, I mean, really what we're saying is that uh, we have a God who speaks. That's right. Uh, we we don't have a God who is distant and silent, uh, mm-hmm. but we have a God who has chosen to reveal himself through human speech, 
Correct. Um, he has chosen to reveal himself to his creation as the creator of that creation. And so we do operate under a uh, presupposition mm-hmm. that uh, that God is a speaking God and that the, the scripture is a testimony of his revelation given... Yes. Uh, given through human authors who are inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that we can know who He is. Right, and so it's. I think it's important to recognize that when we talk about the authority of Scripture, uh, we we have no hesitation in realizing that there is a, a sort of circularity to the argument that this is authoritative. Um, right. You know, like like um, some people will try to make. Uh, a point to uh, to debunk, you know, the claims that we make of saying, "Well, that's circular reasoning to say that the Bible is the Word of God." And well, how do you know that? Well, because it says that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, well, how do you know that that's true? Well, because I believe that the Bible is the Word of God. <laughs> you know, right. so there's a sort of circularity to that. But I think it's important to realize that when you are dealing with ultimate things you always are going to have circularity right. that, uh, that is founded upon you embracing a particular presupposition. Right. Uh, so logic cannot prove itself. You have mm-hmm. to operate under the presupposition that logic uh, in and of itself is a, is a means to an end of understanding um, through reason whether or not something is true. So you are operating under a presupposition that you can get there through logic, which means that you are, in that sense, trusting in logic. And in the same way, when we approach the biblical text, we are uh, saying that there is a presupposition that must be embraced here, that this is the Word of God. Right. Um, And it will hold up to human reason. It will hold up to, uh, you know, all historical critique or all, uh, you know, what, what, whatever you want to throw at it, it's going to hold up to that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but y- you, you have to embrace the, uh, the fact that you believe this is God's word for it to ultimately mean anything to you, right? which we would say that that only comes by way of the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit, right? Opening yeah. your eyes to believe this is the authoritative word of God. Right. And a, a way I like to explain it to Folks, is, is that scripture's own testimony about itself. Yep. And one of the things that you see is if you go over to the book of Second Peter, last chapter, yep. you get some of the most curious, and not curious or funny as in ha-ha, but uh, curious as in fascinating testimony of scripture. Um, look at what the Apostle Peter says here in his, as the ESV editors have termed, final words. This is chapter 3, verse 14. He's talking to the church here. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish, and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Then look at what he says. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters, which he speaks in them of these matters. 
Then you said something that is ha-ha funny to me. Uh, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable uh, twist to their own destruction. This is key, this very next phrase. They twist to their own destruction, Paul's letters and words, as they do the scriptures. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what it says. He says, as they do the other scriptures. That word there gives Paul the same authority as the other scriptures, the Old Testament. So Peter views Paul's words as authoritative. Hence what I say, scripture's own testimony about itself. Yeah, the the way we like to say that is that it's self-attesting. Yes. Um, the, the, the Bible gives credibility to itself within itself. Um, that, that's right. And, and so that, that is the source of the, the authority of the Bible is trusting that the Bible is what the authors who are writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit said that the Bible was. Right. And you see this as a consistent pattern within the Bible of authors of Scripture and all the different genres referring back to the Bible. Uh, you know, that's why we read from Psalm 119. Well, I, I, we haven't read from it, but that's why, you know, that's the basis of the name of this podcast. Right. Is you go look at Psalm 119. Well, what is David referring to when he's referring to the word uh, of the Lord? When he's referring to your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my yep. path. What What is he referencing there? Well, if you go and look back, you know, it's again, your laws, your testimonies, your, yep. you know, it's the things that have been already written down laws, that David sees as the word of God. That's right. Laws, testimonies, statutes, commandments, word. Yeah. Those are the five that he uses most often to talk about. Really, I believe the, the Pentateuch, which is um, the first five books of the Bible, but really, if, if you do good uh, theology and theologizing, you can really apply the principles of what Psalm 119 teaches to the entire corpus of our canon. Yeah. So the entire thing. Yep. So the Bible is self-attesting. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, it uh, attests to its own authority, but... You know, in, in the ultimate sense, what we are saying is the Bible is authoritative because of what it is. It Correct. is the word of God. It is God's communication to man. And uh, I like how John Frame puts this in his book, excellent book, The Doctrine of the Word of God. He says, uh, when God communicates information, we are obligated to believe it. Mm-hmm. When he tells us to do something, we are obligated to obey when he tells us a parable, we are obligated to place ourselves in the narrative and meditate on the implications of that. When he expresses affection, we are obligated to appreciate and reciprocate. When he gives us a promise, we are obligated to trust. Let's define the authority of language as its, as its capacity to create an obligation on the hearer. So the speech of an absolute authority, namely God, creates absolute obligation. 
Obligation is not the only con- is not only content of language as we have seen, but it is the result of the authority of language. I think that's so helpful because that's what we're saying when we talk about the Bible. We're saying that the Bible is God's communication to us, and when God speaks, we're obligated to listen. We're obligated to respond. So, just right. a human example of this, right? When uh, when I get messages on Facebook, I I am I or, or not even just Facebook. This is text message as well. I, I am a natural introvert. Uh, Ed, how, how, what percentage uh, do I operate at when you call me? What percentage of times do I answer? Most of the time, because you no, know. No, yeah, come on. You're being too yeah. gracious, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm probably operating yeah, at a good 60% yeah, answer yeah, rate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so 40% he doesn't answer, and every 40% of those I go into a corner and cry and <laughs> Weep in a little crippled ball. Yeah. So I, I am the guy. I have turned off on my phone the option for other people to see at what point I read the message that they sent me in text messaging. Oh, I turned that, that off. Oh, yeah, you can turn that off. How do you do that? I, I will have to show you later. But, but, but I turn that okay. off, right? Now, on, on Facebook messages, you can't turn that off. Uh, when somebody messages you and you open that message, it shows a picture of your profile next to you and it shows it next to it and it shows what time you read that message. You know why? Zucky Poo wants to see. Yeah, okay. Now <laughs> here's the question. Why do I not like that other people can see when I've read their message? I don't know. Only you can Because answer. it obligates me to respond. Mm. At least that's what it feels like, right? Uh, but the point okay. the point I'm making here yep. is that speech comes with authority. That's right. Speech comes with obligation. Yep. When somebody speaks to you, there is a sense of obligation that comes to that that comes with that 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 you must respond. And even more importantly, the higher the authority of the person speaking, the more obligated you are to respond to that authority. And so what we're making when we claim mm-hmm. the things we claim about scripture is that the Bible is the speech of God. So right. the authority comes from his nature, from who he is. And we as his creation are obligated to hear his speech and to respond accordingly. Correct. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it's worth pointing out, though, uh, in your human example, it assumes that the speech is intelligible. So, so if, like if I say to you, toilet wa dokodeshka, why are you speaking in tongues on this podcast? Yeah, uh, because I'm a Baptist. <laughs> and I believe in biblical tongues. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which is actual spoken languages. All right. All right. So for those of you who don't know, I just uh, asked uh, Pastor Brendan a question in Japanese. Uh, Brendan, to the best of my knowledge, doesn't know Japanese, and I am learning Japanese, but... He doesn't know anything besides. I want to know maybe. if any listeners speak Japanese. Can you please just write in and let us know if if Ed really just spoke Japanese? That's a fair query. So, uh, <laughs> Mark Hoshizaki will probably listen to this. Hi, Mark. And so, yeah, he can verify whether or not I actually spoke. Yeah, mm-hmm. but my point is, like, if somebody uh, came to you and started talking to you in Russian. You're not obligated to respond to that because you don't understand. Now, let's bring it down to the the spiritual. One of my 
favorite paraphrases from Calvin is God's word is him condescending the baby talk, yeah. the babble language for us. Yep. And I find that so amazing that God would condescend and speak to not just humans, but fallen humans. Mm-hmm. That, that when the fall happened, God still graciously gave us his revealed word yeah. so that we might have salvation. And that segues into the purpose of Scripture, right? Yep. So if we could go back to um, to First Timothy. Yep. Or excuse me, I believe it's Second Timothy. So Second Timothy three sixteen. But I want to back up and get get the sentence before that starting in 14, and read all the way down to 17. But as for you, Paul's talking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with what? The sacred writings which what are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Then we get to verse 16, which is what we quoted before. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That, verse 17, the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Mm-hmm. And that is the point of this podcast. We want to see primarily our, our church family, the First Baptist Church of Provo, be equipped with the God-breathed supernatural Bible teaching in order that, that they may be uh, built up for every good work that they may be complete on that great day of judgment. Yeah. And that is essentially what we're doing. So when you go back and look at Psalm 119, where he says, my word is a is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. What he is saying there is, without your word, I'm lost in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. With, without your revelation... Without your condescension and speaking in an authoritative way, I'm going to lose my way. Mm-hmm. So now I'm preaching, though. So He's preaching. Yeah. I had to adjust the volume on that one. Oh, did you? Okay, <coughs> well. Yeah, I think, uh, it, and of course, in that passage in uh, chapter 4, Paul goes on to tell Timothy, because of what the word is, preach the word. Yep. Right? Um, th- this is what it is, and... and this is what its purpose is, is for, and therefore, here's what you do with it. Preach right. it. Um, I think it would be a good summation of that to say that the purpose of Scripture is to not only uh, articulate, but even to bring about um, the redemptive purposes of God in yep. creation. Yes. Um, so God speaks 
to bring about his purposes in the world. And uh, we, we see this, of course, even within Scripture. How is it that God creates the world to begin with? Through his revealed spoken word. That's right. It's through his speech. So yep. how does he bring about new creation then in us? Through his speech. Through his speech, through his word. Yep, that's right. And so his word is powerful. It's active. It's living. Sharper than any two-edged Sharper two-edged than any sword. two-edged sword. So its purpose then is to bring about uh, what what he is doing in redemption, not only in, uh, not only I would say in his uh, people, but I think even in a grander sense, you could apply it to, um, to uh, the world as a whole. Um, that's right. So... That's its purpose. And so that's why we, as his new creation, uh, those who have been made new, that is why we depend upon the word. Uh, Man does not live upon bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's right. Uh, And so we love his word. We value his word. We treasure his word. We want these words written on our hearts. We want them in our minds and our souls. Uh, We want them, we want, we want to, we want to be, uh, reflecting on them as consistently as we can. We want these words preached to us, and we want to be preaching these words mm-hmm. uh, because it is by these words that God's purposes, his redemptive purposes in the world are articulated, and it is by his words mm-hmm. that uh, his purposes are carried out. Amen. Um, so I, I think this is a, a reality that we see all over the Bible, not just in the New Testament and what you read in, in Timothy, but we, uh, we even as a church are going through Nehemiah right now. We, we've gone through Ezra and Nehemiah, which, of course, uh, if you don't know, it's, uh, it's one book in our Hebrew canon, even though it's two books in our English canon. Uh, so Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah should be taken together. So we've been going through that for a number of months now, and we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8 this coming week. So... Uh, Lord willing, we'll drop these podcasts on Monday, and our uh, church folks will hear Nehemiah 8 preached on Sunday, and Amen. so this will be some good follow-up for that, but in Nehemiah 8, I just love the imagery that's happening there. That's the kind of pinnacle moment after Nehemiah has rallied all of the uh, faithful Jews to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, he realizes now it's time to rebuild the people of God. We've, re- mm-hmm. we've got the city where we want it. Now let's recruit people back to the city and let's start rebuilding the people of God. How do you rebuild the people of God? Through the proclamation of that's the right. word. And so what they do in Nehemiah 8 is all of the people gather, it says, as one man, it's beautiful, Nehemiah uh, mm-hmm. 8 uh, verse 1, they gather around and Ezra, the scribe, gets up. And he, here's what's significant. Ezra is not a prophet. Um, Ezra is a teacher of the law. He is a scribe. Right. And so uh, he's not doing what many of the prophets would do when they would get up and articulate the word of God saying, thus saith the Lord. Uh, but what he's doing, and I think some of the significance of this is because he's leading the people into the intertestamental period where there would be no further revelation until uh, John the Baptist comes and prophesies right. about the coming of Jesus, who is the revelation of God himself. Uh, the, the purpose and end of, of all of the revelation that we receive is to point to Christ, uh, to tell us about Christ, and uh, and to point forward uh, to the coming of him. So uh, anyways, but uh, in Ezra chapter 8, they gather together, and Ezra opens the Bible, and he reads it. Uh, he mm-hmm. reads it, and then it says uh, he he gives the sense of the text. So he reads it, and he explains it is essentially what that means. 
Right. And uh, what he's doing is he's opening, you know, the the Torah, and he is teaching God's people His Word because it is by God's Word, by the Scripture, that uh, that this this new creation, uh, this restoration of the people of God, is going to take place. So we don't just see this sort of thing happening in the New Testament. We see it happening all throughout the Scriptures. Um, the Bible is understood to be the Word of God that is purposed for God's people to uh, to to know who our God is and to live in light of who He is. Right. Yeah. And I'm looking at the chapter right now, and look at the response once Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above them. So this is definitely... They built a pulpit, a good old Presbyterian pulpit. Sure. He had to climb up yeah. probably a good 12 steps. Kind of like uh, Jason <laughs> Wallace's pulpit, there if you you've go. ever been there, there Magna. That's a, that's a local pastor here. Yes, uh, we love Brother Jason. Yep. Hi, Jason. Okay, so with that said, um, he's above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood, and Ezra blessed Yahweh, the great God. And look at this response. All the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped Yahweh with their faces to the ground. Yep. And he hasn't even given the sense yet, or, yep. or they haven't. Yep. It's just the simple proclamation of the word. That's right. Just the simple reading of it calls God's people who had been in exile to rejoice and worship the Lord. That's right. So, uh, dear listener, I ask you, when's the last time you valued just the public reading? God's word, mm-hmm. not necessarily even the preaching of it, which we will get to, but the just the simple reading of it. If you are a scripture reader, do you take maybe pride's not the best word, but do you seek to read the scriptures well, yep. publicly? And and so I think there's a lot of application. And how we conduct our worship services yep. in this, and, and it's—I can't wait to hear Pastor Brendan expound upon this, and, and uh, it's going to be good. So, yeah. if you're in the area, come visit us. Yeah, we'd yeah. love to have you. But, but the point is just so clear: God's yeah. people have always been a people of the book. Um, we we always have, and uh, we always will. Even before they were Baptist. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Although, are you implying that Baptists are the only people of the book? No, <laughs> no. It, it's just the moniker we like to take for ourselves. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It is a is a hardcore Southern Baptist. Oh, here there. we go. Okay. All you wanna, right. If you want to know anything about uh, Southern Baptist life, you just you go to the source. <laughs> the source of it all. Oh, okay, folks, listen to this. The Bible is the authority of God. Ed is the authority over all things pertaining to Southern Baptist life and practice. Oh, a, yeah, well, the Southern Baptist Convention's about to burn with fire, if that's the case. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not even going this year. That's true. Yeah, so. We're bad. Well, 
It depends on who you ask, Brendan. Yeah. You ain't wrong. Yeah. All right, Ed. Any any final words to say on this? I mean, I know we just skimmed the surface of everything right. that could be uh, discovered. I, I would just recommend a couple of resources that uh, if you want to look into this more, just a few. One is The Doctrine of the Word of God by John Frame is an excellent resource to look at. Mm-hmm. Another is Matthew Barrett's God's Word Alone yes. is another excellent resource to look at uh, if you want to just read more into these issues and understand why we have the approach that we have to the scriptures as yes. evangelical Christians. Uh, but yep. any, any last words you want to mention there? Yes. Um, it, it would be simply this, dear brother, and for all those listening, you can and should trust the Word of God. It is worth banking your soul and your life upon and when when you think about specifically in our context how people are naturally predisposed to distrust the word of god remember scripture's attestation about itself it truly is god breathed and if that's the case you've got to reckon with what it says that's a good Good uh, bit to finish on there. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate y'all listening with us today. Uh, yeah, check us out. We we don't know what the schedule is going to be on how often this posts. Every week, every couple of weeks, something like that. But uh, keep an eye out. Please, if you would be so kind, like it, review it, share it, whatever Add Brendan else. on Facebook. Well, that's not yeah. necessary. Well, can... Don't add me. I'm boring. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>